we have this opportunity to kind of reprise our focus on best gifts ever, officially concluded when we took a look at Jesus born in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, best gift ever. But today we're going to talk about how do we respond to this best gift? God's word to us, where all the thoughts of God that pertain to you and me are revealed in the word incarnate, and those are good, wonderful, saving thoughts. To see his glory, which now he invites us to participate in, to, to see his grace and truth, to see the Son come to us. How do you respond to such perfect gifts, all there bottled up in Jesus? Well, today we'll take a look at best gifts in response through uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 2, 1 through 12, with the journey of the wise men who bowed down before Jesus. They have so much to teach us as we also look to set our, our thoughts to a new year and to see how we might live in God's grace. Before we jump into that message, which is based on Matthew chapter 2, why don't we open up with prayer? Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Well, I feel like a bonehead. I, I totally blew it this holiday season, if I can just be honest. I mean, this is a great place to confess our sins, so here, here you go. I remembered a lot of people with uh, gifts this time of year, gift giving. But the, the one that's closest to me didn't get a thing for. And you ever found yourself in a situation where you know that this person is so important to you in your life and you're so close to and, and so you, you take it for granted. You know that there's, there's love expressed and it's mutual and, and so, ah, I don't have to worry about that. It's just another day and we just get gifts for the other people in, in our lives. And so here I am, Christmas is over. And there's still a gift to give, and yet I didn't give it into the one that matters most. Have you ever forgotten to give a gift to somebody, and especially somebody who's so close to you? Maybe if not Christmas, maybe a birthday or whatever, an anniversary. Well, I confess to you today that I don't think I put any thought into giving a gift to God for Christmas. Were you thinking my wife? Yeah, I didn't get her anything either. But never mind that. So, I mean, uh, she knows I love her. She's right over there. Okay, no. Okay. I didn't intentionally wrap up anything or give thought to anything that I might give back to God. How many of you, as you think about the lists of people that you wanted to give to, whether coworkers or friends or, or family members, how many of you wrote out God? And here's what I want to give him. If he didn't make your list, you're not alone. <laughs> As a pastor, he didn't make my list. But this is why I love the wise men. The wise men really didn't care much about time. <laughs> as smart as they were, as scholarly as they were, and, and they were experts in almost every field and all the sciences in the ancient, and sciences in the ancient world and uh, in astronomy and even, yes, astrology. Um, they didn't care so much about time. We, we see them showing up to baby, or more like toddler Jesus, a year or two after. And finally, they came around with some gifts. So if God didn't make your list, and you want to put them on that list today, we have a lot to learn from the Magi. 
Uh, Which leads us to our opening question. If you're taking notes, why don't we just drop there to what are the best gifts to bring the Christ? He has so given to us, hasn't he? What could we give in return? And I, I think one of the reasons maybe we don't give to God, or at least are intentional about that, although we know we want to, and, and I guess in many ways we do. We, we've had generous offerings come in, and so many people volunteer over the holiday seasons, giving out of love for Jesus in service to one another. But a lot of times it's maybe not intentional. Today, today we're going to write the name Jesus on our list of ones to give gifts to, or Christ to give a gift to. And we're going to celebrate who he is and gifts that he really cares for. And that's the other thing. God has everything, doesn't he? What can we really give him that could bring a smile to his face? Uh, He owns us all and all the world and the universe. There are some things that he treasures, though. And it's more than just, well, what the wise men brought. You remember the gifts. They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it's the frankincense and myrrh. We're like, eh what do you do with that? That's, I don't even know what that looks like. Actually, a few years ago, I got some gifts that came in. Uh, I think it was from Amazon. And it was gold flakes because that would be too costly if they were coins or anything. And then there were some frankincense and myrrh. And they're like little pebbles. Uh, But they were used for extraordinary purposes. So today, though, I'm not going to ask you to bring in gold or frankincense and myrrh for the Lord God. How would we deliver that to him anyway? But as beautiful as those gifts were, and very meaningful too, just kind of another side note, uh, as we review the gifts of the wise men, gold was for kings, uh, and obviously coming from people with power and wealth and influence to give such things. Frankincense? Frankincense was more for priests. Priests to use in service to God and the people uh, as incense, kind of as simple as prayers going up, so that God might be pleased with the people the priest serves. Perfect for Jesus. He's the mediator between God and man. What a cool gift to give. And then myrrh. Myrrh, this is probably the most mysterious of the gifts. Like, why myrrh? Some would suggest that since myrrh was used in the spices of anointing the dead and and embalming processes in, in Egypt even, that they already knew from the scriptures that the Messiah that would come, the priest king, he would reconcile the world to God by his own laying down of his life and sacrifice. And so they gave him myrrh as an appreciation for the great cost of his life. But behind each one of these gifts are even greater gifts. Gifts that you and I can put on a list to give back to Jesus. So what's that first gift? Well, if we think about the text before us, and we review what what I read to you just moments ago, we could say that wise men, the magi, they brought this gift of hope. And so wise ones, if we want to be wise and we want to show God true love, what he really longs for and looks for in us, freely given, would be to put all, all our hope in him. All our hope. Which kind of brings us back to the wise men. Do you know much about the wise men? Every number of years, we come back and we'll review and we'll study the wise men. So maybe this could be a refresher for some of us. For others of us, maybe this will be insightful. Uh, The wise men, tradition would say, uh, years after from the church, there were three, they have names. But actually from the scriptures and from what we know about real history, uh, seems like there were probably more 
than just three wise men. But some speculate hundreds of wise men from the east and all around, whether uh, we're talking south and east, Jordan, or all the way in modern-day Iraq, Iran, maybe India. Wise men coming. Wise men who were magi, who had, again, influence in power in various empires, whether we're talking Babylon or the Persians and Medes that once conquered that land as well, who were so powerful that they actually would have the ability to appoint the next king or dismiss someone that was in line. They were the kingmakers. And they came from this mysterious region that even Rome was still afraid of in the east. There was kind of this unspoken agreement, hey, we won't go any further into the east if you don't come any further in the west. And so when these kingmakers from the east, maybe hundreds of them, and we would imagine with a royal guard, soldiers, this force comes into Jerusalem talking about, hey, there's a king in the west who's our king, the east. Wow. <laughs> these were amazing people. Highly powerful, highly influential, which would give us plenty of reason to say, ah, I could see why Herod would be a little bit nervous, while all of Jerusalem would have been disturbed too. And yet, if these king makers were so powerful, so influential, of such great wealth as their gifts would suggest, why would they travel so far? The only reason would be is because they recognize the only hope of this world he came, as the star above would suggest. And if he's the only hope, it doesn't matter what influence, what power, what wealth you have. All that hope needs to be placed in this child alone who they've never seen. We're just going off a star. But they were right. They were dead right. That star over Bethlehem was a symbol of the greater light that was born, not just for Jews, but for East and West, all the world. And I love how John, in his writing of his gospel in chapter 1, he notes that. And Jesus himself would say it later in his ministry. John says this, the light shines in the darkness. And then John 8, 12, Jesus, as he's preaching and teaching, he says, I am the light of the world. The person who follows me will never live in darkness, but will have the light of life. No wonder the wise men came along and put all their hope in this child. Because this was the light of men, the light of the world, the light that scatters all darkness. Why wouldn't we also want to put our hope in him? So let's talk about that kind of darkness that we experience in this life and why what a great gift it would be to put all our hope in God above, in Christ Jesus. What darkness are you experiencing in your life? And in the Bible, darkness it can be a picture of all kinds of uncertainties or fears we experience in this life. I mean, naturally, we think about sin. We think about death. We think about the devil. Oh, those are um, puppet masters of darkness of every kind. So Christ comes and he scatters the darkness of our greatest sins, of death itself, 
and of whatever the devil could do. Making them powerless in the light of our realities. But it's not just that. I mean, what insecurities do you have about life? What fears do you have about work or relationships or leisure time or whatever days may come ahead and what they might look like? You see, the wise men came all the way to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem because Jesus can scatter that darkness too. And he's the only one who can. Which again makes us reflect on what what hope do we have in other things in this life? How many of us are hoping with 2024 being an election year, finally, America might prosper, uh, maybe not so much in this present administration or the previous or whatever administrations you can think of. Maybe it's been a long time and we're so nervous about the future with inflation and politics. And can you trust anybody? If that's where we're putting our hope, the wise men teach us we need to go on a journey. Put your hope in the king and Christ. Nothing else. Not in politics, not in finances, nothing else can rescue and scatter our fears and darkness. So today, I, I want you, and especially as you consider the future, what have we put our hope in? If his name is not Jesus, change your hope. If by chance there's any area of your life where you feel insecure, you feel worried, you feel without purpose, without meaning, that would suggest our hope is in the wrong place. Change your hope. Give your hope to Jesus. Don't put any security or confidence in anything else. Just as the wise men, though they could have, they chose to go hundreds of miles away where they had no influence or power. But Christ was worth it. The next gift that we want to consider from the wise men kind of comes out of that hope. Wise ones will give him their time. I love how Matthew tells us after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and as they figured by when the star appeared and what Herod was asking, it was about a year or two later, <laughs> and they finally show up. It wasn't like they were just waiting. I just wonder if in the east, when they saw this mysterious, miraculous star appear, as astronomers, stargazers, maybe even in astrology, they recognize, wait, do you remember Daniel and what he taught us centuries ago when he was in Babylon and when he was the head of the wise men? Well, that looks like a divine star. Let's go back to the scriptures of the Jewish people and let's read about Numbers 24 where the star rises out of, out of Jacob. And they began to observe and investigate and then they began to get the word out and the wise men came and they gathered these gifts which <laughs> were very hard to come by. And then they might have traveled hundreds, maybe 500, 600 miles or more over treacherous terrain, desert roads. How much time did they invest in just this hope? All of their time. What a great thing to give to God at the start of a new year. All our time. And it makes sense too. And I think this is what the wise men realized. Time, huh, we're not authors of it. We can't even, by our worrying and stressing, add an hour to our life. In fact, the wisest of all said that, Jesus. 
And so where's time come from and who owns it? Maybe we should seek him. And maybe we should just dedicate all our time every second hour, every new year, to the one who's the author of it all. It reminds me of a couple passages. Uh, one that we reflect on a little bit in Sin and Grace. It kind of echoes Psalm 90. This is Psalm 31, 15. Our times are in his hands. I mean, how many of us are maybe preparing for tonight and we're going to celebrate uh, with friends the coming of more time? If it is true, and again, Psalm 31, 15 says, our times are in his hands, honestly, we might not make it to noon. <laughs> Jesus might return by lunch. He's promised he would come one day. Or maybe we're thinking about planning this and celebrating that, but by noon, maybe you're in a hospital bed, and by six o'clock, you're leaving this world. All of that is a possibility for any one of us, no matter our age. Should we be terrified? I suppose if we're not journeying to see Christ. But if it is true that his times are in, well, our times are in his hands, then we have nothing to fear as long as we give our time to him. Which is what James gets to in this next passage for our consideration. James says this to God's children. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Huh. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. <laughs> James never missed words. As you look at your calendars then, and because of the love of Jesus and his grace for you and the life he's given you, which he's redeemed for us, maybe on our calendar, as we schedule things, we could put, Lord willing, LW, Lord willing, Lord willing, and not resigning ourselves to saying, who knows, but with joy. Lord willing, we'll go here, we'll do that. Or he'll call us home. Either way, we win. But whatever time I have with my loved ones, with my friends, at work, or wherever, it will be to the Lord, because this is his time. And how much better will our lives go if we're so humble and we recognize our time comes from him? Maybe in that we'll love each other a little more. Maybe in that we'll be a little more diligent at work and a little more joyful. And maybe, too, we won't be so sad when holidays end and vacations end because all time is leading to God. What a great gift. And those wise men gave so much of their time, all of it, to the Lord Jesus. Let us be wise, too. Now, the last gift that we can consider inspired by our text, really comes directly from our text. What do wise men and women give to the Lord? Wise ones will give him their worship. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says this, As soon as they saw this toddler Savior, they fell down and they worshiped him. Why is that such a big deal? I mean, people 
really are made to worship, and we worship all kinds of things. Uh, there are people in other religions, and they have their gods, and well, there are people without religion, and they have their minds and their reason, their studies, they have their money, material goods. We worship all kinds of things. Why is it so refreshing, so beautiful to give the one true God worship? Because the one true God, when we worship him, guess what? It's not about him. God doesn't call us to worship him. Again, he doesn't need anything. Not like all the other world religions. Not like money or even our relationships we can worship. All these things that demand of us that maybe if we achieve, oh, maybe then maybe we will have arrived. But it's such a burdening thing. You see, when the wise men, they bow down and they worship Jesus... All that he offered was available to them. And not because they'd earned or deserved it, but because God is a God of grace. And so just think about what it means when we dedicate ourselves to this gather root that we, we love, we celebrate at 92. When we come for regular worship, we are filled with life. We set our eyes, we kneel down before Jesus, and what he is becomes what is ours. His image, he gives us. And we receive it in the Lord's Supper, the forgiveness of sins and grace and righteousness. When we focus on Jesus, when we worship him, we are fulfilled. We are of infinite value. We belong to God and to one another. That's what comes out of worship. Which is why the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, as he was marveling at the good news, the gospel and the grace of God, not the works of the law, which is also glorious. He says, we who with unveiled faces, we see it clearly and we radiate it beautifully by God's grace. We all reflect the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. When we give Jesus our worship, it's a boomerang. It comes back to us tenfold. Who we worship, we begin to reflect. He resides in our hearts. And we look like children of God. We become kings and queens ourselves. And with that beautiful message, we become wise and we can make kings out of others. Kingmakers too. So what's your calendar look like for the new year? We've thought about the one that maybe didn't make our gift-giving list. And now because we so love him, he's the most important to us. How wonderful is it to see from some wise men of what we can give him that he really cares about. On your calendars for 2024, will you give him all your worship? Not just on Sundays, but your whole life. What a blessing in return that he gives to us. Will you give him your time? All of it. It's his anyways. And will you put all your hope in him? As dear children of God, I know you will. May God bless us then in the days to come for however much time we have, having seen the best gift ever, may we only give the best gifts in return. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Mary's Son, 
In the fullness of time, you came into our world to save us from sin and death. And you ushered in the day of grace so long foretold. Beloved son of the father, revered by the magi, baptized by John, you came preaching and teaching, healing and comforting, forgiving and encouraging. You brought the light of life to those walking in darkness and the joy of salvation to those doomed to death. Prince of peace, shine like a beacon for us and the people of our world. Let the good news of salvation be heard in the remotest corners of the earth. Open our own lips to speak your name to those around us who still live without faith or hope. And arouse us and our missionaries to flood the world with the light of your gospel. And Lord of the church, let your peace rule our hearts that we may use our gifts to serve you and each other in willing gratitude and joy. Watch over our loved ones near and far that they may remember your love and rejoice in your salvation. Strengthen the faith of the sick and the disheartened. Give hope to those in despair and comfort for all who mourn. All this we ask, we ask in Jesus' precious name. He who taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. and Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.